Hello and welcome back to Croconomics, where we talk about important issues around the globe with important people while I wear Crocs. Today we will be joined by Tunde Asazua, who is a member of the Black Alliance for Peace's Africa team and the coordinator of the U.S. Out of Africa Network, the organizational arm of the Black Alliance for Peace's campaign to shut down AFRICOM and end the U.S. invasion and occupation of Africa. We will be continuing our discussion of AFRICOM and focusing particularly on advocacy efforts around the globe today. Tunde's connection was not the best today, so you may hear him cut off at points, but the editor did his best to make it sound coherent. So the first question I have is, how do you believe that the United States has militarized Africa or attempted to militarize Africa um, since 2008, since AFRICOM's founded? Yeah, so the U.S. was in Africa uh, before AFRICOM was founded, um, and they've been, you know, they've been intervening militarily on the African continent since, uh, at least uh, since the end of World War II, uh, they've been pretty, um, I guess, uh, a, a pretty uh, constant presence militarily made their um, efforts in order to militarize the continent. Um, and, and one uh, example of that is that uh, since AFRICOM was founded, uh, there's been uh, an incre uh, intense uh, transfer of like military equipment uh, mm -hmm. to various, you know, African militaries, um, which we at the Black Lives for Peace, we parallel that to um, the transfer of military equipment from the military uh, to the police departments through the 1033 pro program. So yeah, I, I think equipment about how um, like the training, the, the AFRICOM, um, I guess, uh, uh, military programs uh, engage in with uh, different, um, African militaries uh, to, to militarize them and then also teach them how to suppress um, people's movements. Uh, that, that's another important way that the continent, the continent has um, experienced militarization at the hands of the US. Um, and then just in general, like the, the, the delusion. Um, so I, I think there, there are many ways that we could, we could uh, like militarization of the African continent. Um, but those would be the main things that I would. Yeah, definitely. So. What do you what do you think the most harmful results of this militarization has been? I mean, I think uh, that, that's a good question um, because there there have been a lot of pretty terrible things that have come out of it. Um, I would even uh, point to, um, you know, I mean, of, of course, plenty of people have died from things mm -hmm. like strikes, and uh, th there's been you know mass displacement uh, as a result of war in Libya, for example. Um, it is, is uh, a time where, you know, plenty of people died um, uh, in the war. There was, you know, destabilization of Libya and the surrounding area and, you know, the transfer of to the Sahel um, and then just mass displacements. So a lot of people 
have fled because they're the places that they used to live uh, in are, are no longer, you know, habitable. They're no longer places where they can thrive. They, they can't find uh, the types of jobs that they need or, or like really um, well-structured civil society or, or just as, essentially th there's a, a lack of order that results um, because of, you know, U.S. activity in the region. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, that that's one example uh, that, that war in Libya, but there, there are, um, you know, a few others. A, a lot of people talk about um, the war in the Congo, for example, like the DRC as like a, a you know, a, a conflict between, you know, uh, uh, I guess, warring ethnic groups, but they, they don't talk about how the U.S. and its partners have instigated that and um, as a result of that war in the over seven, over six million people died, and there's also, you know, uh, people that have, um, you know, been forced into things like slavery. Uh, we also saw that in Libya, right? Like people talk a lot now about, you know, the open air slave markets in Libya. So I, I think there are so many things. I don't know what, what I would point to as like the most like the of uh, US militarization in Africa, but. I'd say the overall de destabilization, all the effects come out of that, including death and, um, you know, uh, mass displacement and, you know, things like poverty, people losing their, their means to, you know, provide for themselves. Uh, th there's so many different things. What do you think the most notable backlash against this militarization has been from inside the continent? Like, has there been major widespread backlash or has it been mostly from outside of that's a good question. Uh, most notable bash inside. Okay, so um, there are a number of like, yeah, indigenous groups that have like, uh, you know, seen like this militarization, they've seen, you know, occupation, right? Like there are um, a large number of military bases on the continent. And when you see them, you know, it, it it's like a, a very impactful thing. It, it's, I think it, it's a very visceral example of occupation. And in response to that, there have been, there's been uh, sprouted that um, essentially uh, are, are anti, you know, American, anti the U.S. essentially. And uh, I think what you'll hear a lot about in the U.S., you know, popular press or the uh, corporate media or whatever uh, is about, uh, you know, ISIS or Al-Shabaab and things like that. Um, and so I think that those like kind of like terrorist groups as well, you know, could also fit within that, uh, you know, that description of like indigenous groups that have, you know, sprouted up against, you know, involved in it. Uh, obviously, like the, they are involved in things that, you know, I don't think anyone would co-sign, but uh, I think there are, you know, there've been, the, as a result of US activity on the continent, there's been, you know, a, a, a very big increase in terrorist activity. And then also just generally, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess, uh, actions against Africa. Um, but yeah, I, I guess uh, the U.S. tries to say that they're trying to fight terrorism with Africa. Like that's one of their, you know, rationales. That's one of the ways that they try to, uh, you know, give, um, give credence to their actions. But what we've seen is that Africa has the opposite effect. So um, like we, we've seen, you know, uh, like when Africa, like, like, you know, drone strikes someone, like that really affects the community. So they'll say that, okay, we drone strike this, you know, terrorist leader um, and, and a few other Biden. Uh, it, they don't really talk about, you know, who victims of these. And so that, that, and so that affects like 
many people, right? People see that their, their family members are dying, uh, that the U.S. just is able to, you know, bomb or, or drone strike their, uh, their, their family members without, you know, international body or anything like that. So I, I think that can, that kind of inspires people to try and join those, you know, those very militant groups. Um, so yeah, what, what all, all that is to say, we've seen a pretty big increase in, you know, uh, the operations of groups like, you know, Al-Shabaab in, in Somalia or, or, you know, ISIS or just so many groups in the Sahel that are like, you know, very anti the U.S., if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've had a couple of the other um, interviews so far, and I think something I've seen is that it's like a cycle in Africa with the U.S. It's like the U.S. props up a group for their own purposes or pours money into something for its own purposes, whether it be economic or political. And as a result, after that goal is accomplished, they kind of have a hands-off approach. And then, like, as a result, these terrorist groups prop up or something, and then the U.S. just gets more and more money to fight those same groups that they helped start. And it's just like a, a cycle. So, so the next question I have is, can you explain what the Black Alliance for Peace and the U.S. Out of Africa Network are and why you joined them? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Black Lives for Peace is, was founded uh, a few years ago, a um, movement that we saw in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, and so like through, you know, educational ac activities like, you know, webinars or, you know, just different uh, like popular education uh, activities and then also organizing and movement support. So there are a number of, you know, org uh, organizational members of the Black Lives for Peace that um, you know, use the Alliance as a means to support their own work. Uh, there are groups all over the country in, you know, the Bay Area to uh, Baltimore to Philadelphia um, and, and, you know, Atlanta and, and all over the place that uh, are, you know, able to draw on the resources that the Alliance provides uh, to strengthen their own work in those, you know, more localized communities. And, uh, you know, the, the Alliance also, uh, you know, opposes both militarized domestic state repression, so within the United States, and then uh, the policies of destabilization, subversion, and then the permanent war agenda of the United States globally. Um, so basically within the Alliance, we understand that there can be no peace without imperialism. And so we're anti-war, we're anti-racism and anti-militarism. And I think that really spoke to me uh, personally, just because I felt like uh, a lot of, you know, when, when I joined, a lot of groups addressing um, like issues of, you know, domestic and then, you know, U.S., uh, you know, the U.S. war agenda. And the Black Lines for Peace has a pretty uh, good way of connecting those issues. So I, I thought that was pretty attractive. So like the BAP uh, has like a central campaign called No Compromise, No Defeat the War Against African uh, People or African or Black People in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, which works to agitate against programs or rather imperialist, pro imperialist programs like AFRICOM. So I mostly work on uh, the U.S. out of Africa shut down AFRICOM campaign, uh, which demands the complete withdrawal of U.S. forces from Africa and the de demilitarization of the African continent. Um, and, and that part of the campaign is an integral element of BAB's general opposition to U.S. global militarizations, with its command structures and you know anywhere from 800 to 1,000 overseas military bases. I, I don't think we know exactly how many there are just because of 
all the strange ways that they choose to characterize those bases. Um, and also, you know, the United States status on the planet, uh, sale of weapons is super profitable. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're, we're against all of that. And so as an organizational arm of the company, we built a U.S. out of African network, which has over 250 people, mostly in the U.S., but also in a, a few other countries, um, like in, you know, uh, Latin America, in, in Africa, in Europe, um, in New Zealand. Um, and basically, uh, that, that's a, a, a group of to our network. And then also it goes on the BAP website and is posted on social media. And, you know, we've, we've held a, a few webinars and, you know, we've put out petitions that we've delivered to Congress on AFRICOM. And we're, we're really working to develop um, organizational ties with um, groups on the continent. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that speaks to like the work on uh, AFRICOM. Uh, what BAP is really involved in right now uh, is, you know, there's uh, a few main pillars that they're working towards, uh, which is, you know, opposing the militarization of, Amer of, of U.S. police through the 1033 program where, you know, um, excess military equipment is transferred to domestic police uh, forces. And then we're also opposing Israeli training of US police forces. Um, we're advocating for the closure of um, all US foreign military bases. We're opposing um, you know, uh, all military, economic and political interventions. So you know, including san like economic sanctions and blockades and uh, all military interventions and things like that. Uh, we're advocating for the end of U.S. participation in NATO. Uh, you know, we support the cutting of the U.S. military budget by 50%. Um, and a few other things. Like we, we, we're trying to engage the U.N. Uh, to um, make sure that, you know, the human rights abuses that occur uh, at the hands of the United States are properly dealt with and things like that. But that's a, that's a broader, you know, explanation of what we do. Um, you know, we, we understand that there can be no peace with imperialism and we think uh, like it, our, our work provides an entry point between making connections between the anti-colonial fight in the US and the, the fight against the colonial capitalist system globally. Um, and so the shutdown AFRICOM campaign is an instrument in that process. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually recently joined the Black Lives for Peace as a supporter and part of the support. Oh, dope. Like that. Very like cool. That. Actually, I, if you're interested in this AFRICOM piece, I recommend you join the US Out of Africa Network. Oh, awesome. I'll check it out. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, just take a yeah. look. Let me know what you think. Got it. Will do. Um, so, so, I guess the question I have is you list a lot of, sort of the longer term, like, policy goals that you want for the U.S. out of Africa um, network and also the Black Alliance for Peace, but what are the, the shorter term goals that aren't necessarily policy related or even longer term goals that aren't necessarily policy related? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think shorter term, we're trying to, you know, like political consciousness um, amongst a broader uh, group of people, you know, mobilize people. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think we're actually uh, trying to develop relationships as well with um, like with this AFRICOM issue, we're trying to re develop relationships with groups on the continent. So we have like a, a monthly meeting with, with some pretty, uh, you know, well, with, with groups on the continent that we have connections with and 
they're also interested in you know fighting against AFRICOM because we think right like they're the ones that you know have military bases in their countries that you know maybe have uh, been impacted by drone strikes maybe no no people that have been impacted and uh, we, we think we have to work with uh, our um, uh, with people on the continent to really have uh, uh, the right movement I don't it's right for uh, you know people in the US to dictate um, what should be happening in the continent so that that's one thing we're working towards and we've we've made a lot of progress there in terms of our connections um, we're also trying to you know put together pamphlets it's super well understood by the general population like I, I think as a result of BAP's work uh, you know AFRICOM has become more and more you know like people have heard about it but they don't really understand it so we're trying to like break down certain issues um, in a very digestible way um, and so that's kind of what the AFRICOM watch bulletin is but we're also trying to put bulletins that we can like pass out or pamphlets and pass out in local communities. Um, also trying to make sure, like you said, not policy related, but we, we want to be a little bit better about how we engage with politicians. Um, I think we've been too like anti, you know, uh, a lot of these politicians because we don't think they really represent the people, uh, but we want to be more constructive in, in the ways that we engage with them. So we're, we're putting together um, a strategy there. Um, and then uh, we're also just um, trying to see what else we can do from an educational piece. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's that's what we're doing as far as um, elsewhere. Uh, I know that there are a bunch of groups within the Alliance. They're working on all sorts of different campaigns that aren't policy related, um, putting together uh, like direct action um, uh, against, you know, different like instances of police terrorism or police killings. Uh, we're, we're also seeing them uh, do things around um, educating folks about the connections between the domestic and the, you know, the international, um, because, you know, we, we think that that connection has to be made so that people understand that these international issues are so uh, deeply uh, to their daily lives. So there's a lot of educational work going on there and then just supporting these groups that are organizing so, in so many different ways. I, I, I don't know if that, if that fully answers your question though. I guess what is the largest, if there has been like real pushback, what is the largest pushback been and where, does, where has it all come from in your advocacy? One, one uh, idea that like I, I've been mostly working on this African issue and one, one I've really come up against is, is folks are like stuck on this issue of terrorism um, and like how AFRICOM is supposedly that. And I think, you know, it, it's just been like, we, we have webinars, we've had like, maybe folks will be talking about you know, uh, like how AFRICOM is really a benevolent force. And so we're trying to educate around that. But I think that's been uh, a challenge, just getting people to understand that it's not really uh, it, it's not what it seems, right? Like uh, people don't understand that, you know, the real, the real purpose, and as far as what we, how we define it, the real purpose of AFRICOM is to assert, you know, U.S. control over uh, the continent, the African continent. It, it, we, we liken it to the Berlin Conference when, uh, you know, colonial powers like France and, you know, the United Kingdom and Germany and, and like Belgium, they, they 
you know, tried to say who would control which parts of the African continent. We say that, you know, that AFRICOM plays an important ro role for the U.S. in uh, uh, the new scramble for Africa, what, just like that old scramble in the 1800s, the late 1800s. So I think we're, we're trying to, like, the educational piece is so big, and I think that's been a challenge because there are just so many misconceptions. Uh, like, one thing that we're coming up against now is, like, the issue of China on the continent. Like, a lot of people are, like, China is mm -hmm. colonizing the continent, and they don't really... Um, understand that the U.S. Ha has a much more, a much bigger role, a much uh, more um, detrimental part that they play on the continent and to dispel a lot of the myths around China, Chinese influence on the continent. So it's, it's a lot of busting or, or like trying to politically educate people um, that there's been a challenge. I think that's one of the biggest things because when, when we tell them, oh, AFRICOM is like, you know, bad, it's, it's like almost like recolonizing Africa. A lot of people are just shocked and it, it takes some. It takes a lot of work to get uh, get past a lot of those, uh, like the mental. I, I hope that that makes sense. You think that U.S. citizens or citizens in countries that Africa is in could have a more powerful impact? Yeah, that's a good question. I think. Well, hmm. from for me, um, I can. I'm I'm like a Pan Africanist, so I think that you know we're all. African and so like we all have a stake in you know this issue. Um, I, I think the U.S. you know the U.S. obviously controls Africom, right? So the U.S. has uh, the power to say, you know, we'll, we'll, we're ending this Africom program, and uh, you know, you can have a pretty big impact on that. But I think African um, people in, in on the continent uh, also can make a huge difference. I, I think it, it's take a lot of working together um, between folks on the continent and folks um, in, in the United States. Uh, so I, I'm, I, I'm gonna say that, you know, obviously like the US government controls Africon, but I think take like uh, an African world essentially to, to agitate against Africon and, and get it shut down. So I think my final question is, how can most like U.S. citizens aid in this effort? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, I, I think there, there's a lot of uh, work that we're, we're trying to do to, to dispel those, those myths that I was talking about. I think is, you know, educating yourself and then trying to, you know, talk to others about it. Um, so educating yourself, meaning not like reading what, um, like the New York Times or whatever would say about Africom, but, you know, listening to folks on, on like the radical left talk about it, like the Black Lives for Peace and World Beyond War and, and uh, groups like that. Um, and, and trying to learn more about how Africom really operates. I would say that, uh, you know, the Black Agenda Report has a ton of great articles about African. And there are a bunch of like videos of webinars that have taken place over the past couple of years on YouTube that people can watch to learn. And, and so I think that's, a, that's an important part, educating yourself. Um, but then I think beyond that, um, it's trying to get ta uh, tapped into an organization like, like you did, right? You joined the BAP supporter uh, network, which is great. I think that's what more folks should do. Um, join groups that are, uh, you know, actively working to shut down AFRICOM. Um, and, you know, I think we need to build um, a broad movement to shut down Africa. I'm like, we do all this, you know, engagement of political leaders, but I don't know if that's really what's going to move the needle. I think it's going to be broad-based, you know, support from the masses 
that will, you know, eventually get AFRICOM shut down. So I think we're in the early stages and we're trying to educate now, but um, yeah, I would say that most people should, you know, try to educate themselves and, you know, learn about it and maybe even join a, like a revolutionary organization. If, if that is something that people feel like they have the bandwidth to do, I think that's probably. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Toby. This episode was produced by Tobias Paperno from his studio in his living room on GarageBand, and this project was made possible by Mr. Moscow's International Political Economy class at the Beacon School. Thank you so much for listening, and tune in next week. Mama, mama.